right, so we've come to actually the last uh, lesson here, which is uh, talking about uh, teenagers. And I know that many of you, uh, well, I don't think too many of you have teenagers. Uh, I don't know, Pradeep, maybe. Pradeep, you have a teenager, right? Or almost a teenager? Yeah, yeah. No, no, one, one teenager and one, one who, who already almost is. Okay, one who acts like a teenager. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just scanning the list here. I, I don't see anybody else that has any teenagers. So, but but don't worry. If we you have, have kids. Have. Oh yeah, of course. Yes, thank you. Um, so, uh, so you you either have a teenager or you'll very soon have a teenager <laughs> before you know it. Um, so this is uh, this is one of those uh, phases of life that uh, you know culturally and in society they tend to. Uh, have built sort of a, a, a myth around it, you know, that teenagers are difficult. Oh, wait for the teenage years, you know, you can, uh, and and you sort of you sort of end up dreading it, right? Uh, when it comes in, even the day they turn thirteen. Oh my goodness, I've got a teenage. So, you know, how do you deal with with that, right? So, so we talked about uh, infancy to childhood, and last week we talked about childhood. So today we'll talk about uh, about. Uh, uh, teens, and then uh, next week we'll do one more class where we'll uh, we'll basically just do a Q and A. So I'll send out a, a pigeonhole just to wrap up the session, and uh, you know any topics that uh, I hope some of you have been um, you know have been practicing some of these things. Uh, it'll be good to hear about you know things that are working, things that are not working, and any specific questions that you have. Of course, we've done a couple of Q and As. I think uh, especially around the rod. And things like that, but uh, you know, we'll just have a general Q and A on on any of these topics, right? So, um, uh, I hope you can see my slide. Can you all see the slides? So, as uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, so, as uh, as we've been doing with the others, uh, there's there's two sort of two chapters, right, on each of these phases of uh, of of childhood, and uh, you know, teenagers are sort of the last phase uh, of your parenting okay so whether we whether we like it or not uh, you know god has ordained that we have about uh, roughly 17 or 18 years uh, as parents and then then your kids are sort of gone right of course that doesn't mean that you completely get out of your life of their lives uh, you will still uh, be very much involved uh, certainly but uh, but you you know from this point on you know once they go to college and and they become uh, you know much more independent uh, certainly your relationship switches one from sort of a parenting relationship to sort of an advice uh, you know advisory and um, you know uh, kind of a relationship which is which is very different so so uh, you know we have to consider that that god when he gives us this uh, children you know god has ordained i think he ends this chapter uh, 19 with this uh, uh, with the statement that says uh, God intends for parenting to be a temporary task. Okay, uh, yeah, you will always be a parent. You'll always be the parent of your children. Uh, they'll you'll be known as their parents, but the task of parenting uh, is, is for a season of life, right? It's from the time they're born to 
roughly that 70 to 18 and then it sort of diminishes and then it takes a completely different form and then of course once they are on their own and they establish their own families certainly you'll have a role to play later on especially as they have children and you become grandparents it's a very different role uh, you're you're no longer really parenting them uh, they may come to you for counsel and advice and uh, you know <clears throat> seek your experience and your wisdom um but that's that's where that sort of you know your authority over them is pretty much uh, you know not there right so if you remember that the authority graph and the influence right so certainly you might still have a lot of influence but your authority is pretty much zero right uh, and so that time limit uh, we may think it seems like you know when you think 17 years 18 years seems like a long time but uh, but to be honest having uh, you know having gone through it with uh, you know with uh, uh, with five kids so far and very soon sixth one um <clears throat> you know i can tell you it just goes very fast okay before you know it uh, you wonder where the years have gone and then then as you see them moving on in life uh, then you start wondering well did i do the right thing and you know uh, all of these kind of things uh, you know come into your mind so so i think i think these are precious years that god has given us they're, they're really in the scheme of life you know if you consider that your child lives to be you know let's say 80 years old or something uh, you know you have uh, less than a fourth of their life where you are really actively parenting right less than less than one fourth uh, you know less than 20 years out of out of say 80 years um, and uh, and so it's important that all of these things all of you who have uh, you know the younger kids okay um, you know this point point is repeated almost with every one of these sections that says and he says that uh, whatever i'm telling you in these in these chapters i'm assuming that you've you're doing all the things that we said in the previous chapter right uh, previous chapters so uh, so this is sort of building up and and if you if you really don't do those kind of things if you're not establishing authority when they're children and you're not uh, you know you're not uh, uh, you know building up their character working on their character when they are in their childhood phase uh, you know then when you come to teenagers you're going to have some of those problems that that people talk about right because at this point you know if you look at the the graph there you know your your authority is sort of you know below the halfway mark right and your influence is sort of you know that's where you should be right you should be having a more influential increasingly influential less authority oriented relationship uh, but if you haven't uh, you know done all the right things early on it becomes very difficult um so with that uh, you know so let's talk about the teenage years okay so the this is mostly from from uh, chapter um, uh, 18 uh, which talks about the objectives so uh, the teenage years is roughly from 13 up to maybe 17 18 you know once your children leave for college maybe they end up staying with you and going from home so you'll have a little more of a room there but uh, you know but if you're like me for example you know uh, all of my kids have left uh, left home when they were uh, you know 16 uh, or 17 uh, almost 17 uh, and uh, that was that was sort of the end of my parenting phase uh, so this is the the time period and then um, so if you look at what characterizes this uh, period the the one word is this this word called insecurity okay so your child is in a period of time where you know they're sort of in between that being a, they're, they're they're no longer a child but uh, they're not quite yet an adult right and of course this changes as they get 
further up in years but uh, you know where i'm going through that with um, with uh, with my son paul right now you know he's uh, um, you know he's uh, he's uh, 12 this year he's uh, going to be 13 uh, and he's sort of shot up physically he's just grown uh, he looks like an adult uh, but he behaves like a kid <clears throat> okay uh, now he's less and less behaving like a kid <clears throat> but uh, but that's 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 the you know that's the change that's going on right so physically they're growing they're bigger they're stronger um, they're trying they're able to be more independent at the same time they're a little hesitant right um, you expect them not to act uh, like a child not to be too childish and you say what well, you're so old why are you acting childish at the same time if they try to be too much of an adult they get sort of like hey what are you doing acting like a like a grown up person right so so it's a little insecure a period of insecurity and and vulnerability right they feel vulnerable and they're anxious so this is where they start worrying about your appearance so all of a sudden you know the child that uh, didn't care how he combed his hair uh, a couple of years ago or what his hair looked like he probably never you know comb never even touched his hair all of a sudden he's worried about how he looks um, he's worried about what he wears. He's worried about what his friends are think, going to think about what he wears and uh, and all these kind of things, right? Um, and uh, and so so there's a lot of anxiety in their lives, right? They're worried about their appearance uh, and they're worried about their personality. So they're they're learning a lot more about the world. They new ideas. They're starting to get interested in things that maybe they were not that interested in. They're starting to have more adult oriented conversations they're able to you know hold their own in conversations with adults but yet not quite um, uh, you know i can just uh, see conversations where we you know the the sort of uh, uh, interesting situation i have is that i have typically kids of all ages right so right now i've got you know two that are much well i got one that's that's an adult and then another one that's an older teen and then you got paul who's coming into the teenager so so we sit around and talk about all kinds of things you know about politics and about culture and all these kind of things and we talk about something you know somebody like a paul will jump in and 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 in the middle of two sentences he'll say one thing and then he'll say oh yeah okay and he'll switch the other way and it's clear that he's still trying to work things out in his mind you know what does he really think about this right so there's a lot of insecurity in thought there's a lot of lack of stability in thought and their their thoughts are being shaped their worldview is really uh, being shaped the way they look at things is being shaped um, you know and of course what has happened prior to this will have a great influence on that all the shaping influence from the past but but this is sort of where they they really start making that transition okay so so it's a very very important period and they're trying to establish independence okay they don't particularly they want their independence at the same time they're still in your home and they're still under your authority and they know uh, you know if you've if you've done all the things right they know that uh, you know they still have that respect for you at the same time they want a little bit of freedom right so i'm i'm sure those of you the two or three of you who've had who have teenagers you you've sort of seen this right uh, and uh, you know and so they're trying to establish that independent persona uh, and they want to be their own person and sometimes you know they will resist when you try to uh, as a result of this when you try to um, you know control them okay uh, they will resist and it's important as parents that we understand what they're going through and we understand that we need to give them uh, a certain um you know i'd say uh, give them some rope you know let them loose a little bit you know you're not 
it's not like uh, you know the the reins that you have on the horse where you're trying to control everything they do yes you do still need to control certain things when you see them going off the 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 wrong way off into the wrong wrong path but but nevertheless you need to loosen the reins a little bit to let them sort of find themselves right uh, so this is an important part of part of growing up so um, and then uh, very often you'll find that uh, kids uh, during these years they, yes they do or, you know, sometimes get into these rebellion, but typically, uh, you know, when they rebel, um, it's not that something happens uh, in their teenage years that uh, that triggers that rebellion. It says in the book here, in the section on rebellion on pages uh, 185 and 186, that, uh, you know, what's actually going on is that, uh, you know, is that uh, there's probably some latent things, you know, from the past that are causing these, right? So for example, if you, um, you know, uh, if you, for example, he gives the example there of if, if when they were growing up, when they were in their childhood, if you were uh, a kind of parent who, um, you know, embarrassed them publicly, okay, if you would not, uh, you know, discipline them in the right way, maintain their dignity and all that, then you'll end up having problems here and they will tend to rebel, right? If they on the other hand, saw you as somebody who was loving, who dealt with them in a proper way, who spent the time with them, who instructed them from scripture, uh, who controlled their anger, his anger or her anger, uh, who, um, you know, then, uh, you know, that uh, the, the likelihood of rebellion is, 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 is greatly diminished, okay? So the rebellion of his heart is an expression of the, of the times perhaps that he suffered indignities or public reproofs, right? And, uh, uh, you know, very often we're taken by surprise. We say, oh, you were such a good kid, you know, but, but clearly there's something pent up there that's sort of expressing itself as this child becomes more, um, you know, more uh, um, uh, independent, okay? Uh, so it's a, it's a very interesting point in their life. So, uh, you know, in the book, he talks about three goals, okay? What are the goals? And we've looked at the goals for, uh, for each of the other ones. I'm going to just jump ahead in my slide here. Um, so you, you saw there that, um, you know, the first, uh, in the first phase, which is infancy to childhood, which is from birth to, you know, roughly about uh, five, six, maybe, but generally around five, you know, the goal, okay, is uh, your goal of shepherding is to teach the child that he or she is an individual under authority. And the focus here is obedience, right? In the childhood years, you know, from roughly around six to 12, 13, you know, it's about developing character, right? So you're teaching them, you're giving them work to do, you're testing them in this, you're giving them instruction, uh, you know, in terms of their uh, dealings with their siblings. You know, I had, I, I had a, this morning just at breakfast, okay, I had an opportunity to have a little talk with, uh, with uh, Josiah and Danny, because there was an episode of uh, lack of kindness, which deteriorated into one guy pinching the other. I won't say who pinched who. Um, you can use your imagination. Um, uh, but it started off with words and then it graduated into, you know, uh, arms going back and forth and then ended up in pinching. Uh, and I happened to see it and called them both over and we had a nice little talk and we talked about some verses from the Bible and things like that. So it's, it's, it's you know, it's using the opportunities in life, you know, when you're sitting down, when you're standing up, when you're walking by the, you know, by the, by the wayside, uh, using these things to build character qualities, right? Uh, and then we'll come to teenage years now. So what is the, uh, what is the uh, goals of the teenage years? So he gives three things. He calls it the, 
the foundations of 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 life right okay so uh, so let's just uh, look at this uh, this this passage here i'll just read it out uh, proverbs chapter 1 verse uh, 7 to 19 so uh, proverbs 1 it says the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise the wisdom and instruction my son hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck my son if sinners entice you do not consent if they say come with us let us lie in wait to shed blood let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause let us swallow them alive like sheol and hold like those who go down to the pit we shall find all kinds of precious possessions we shall fill our houses with spoil cast in your lot among us let us all have one purse my son do not walk in the way with them keep your foot from their path for their feet run to evil uh, and they make haste to shed blood surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird but they lie in wait for their own blood they lurk secretly for their own life so are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain it takes away the life of its owner so we find these sort of three things three principles which um, which the author here characterizes them as the sort of foundations of life and in fact they are very foundational so the first one is the fear of the lord right so my son uh, sorry verse 7 the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despite despise wisdom and instruction okay so so what is the fear of the lord so the first foundation of life is the fear of the lord It means walking in the fear of the lord okay the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge and the uh, but fools despite wisdom and instruction so if you want to be wise okay you've got to have the fear of the lord okay and if you don't have the fear of the lord then you're foolish right that means you're despising wisdom and instruction that's a very foolish thing to do uh, for a child so uh, you know the point of this is that uh, is that you know your teenager uh, and this is not something that starts here obviously you've been working on this throughout their childhood and so on right from infancy onwards to to introduce them to god and who god is and the nature of god and all these but when they get to this age they need to have that sort of healthy healthy fear of the lord right they must be motivated by a sense of awe and reverence so by this point they should know the character of god they should know about the power of god right and the, and you want their choices to reflect um a growing understanding a growing comprehension of what it means to be a a follower of god or a worshipper of god and they must know that they are accountable to god right that 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 god is a holy god and and he uh, he desires his people to be holy um you know they must have an understanding of truth and what is truth right so uh, so we need to shepherd them to live out of the fear of god rather than the fear of man so keep in mind that this is a, this is an important distinction here the fear of the lord versus fear of man so at this point remember i said they are trying to get their um, you know approval of their peers right so things like you know they're too overly concerned about the way they look and the clothes they wear and you know um, 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 aligning with the latest style the uh, latest uh, fashions and styles and all those kind of things right um, uh, but you need to teach them that you know what they are they are they are being bound by by their fear of man right they are being bound by a desire to please the me- please men and and we need to bring them back to this understanding that you know the real wisdom right the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge right the fear of the lord is the beginning of 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 uh, of uh, 
beginning of knowledge and, and and so we need to bring them take them away from the fear of man to the fear of god so this should be uh, this is an important goal that you need to set for yourself and and you need to evaluate as we said last time right having that sort of periodic you know twice yearly evaluation that that is something that you know you should continue into this uh, with with the husband and wife right and uh, and he talks about that one of the most powerful ways that you do this is by example okay sharing your own experience you know when you were a teenager or maybe even when you're an adult you know how how you are uh, you know you had some experience where you are doing things a certain way because of your inordinate fear of man what did that do to you right the pressure that it put on you and then when you when you when you uh, gave that up and you focused on doing what the lord wanted you to do right having a, a greater fear of the lord than fear of man you know how that created uh you know peace of mind how it uh, gave you some freedom um and, and how liberating it it was right so um so it, this is this is uh, this is an important goal you want your children by the time they leave your home you know uh, as a as a late teenager 17 18 whatever the age is right you want them to to really have that that real understanding true understanding of who god is of his nature and you you want to be able to see them organizing their lives uh, you know in a way that reflects that they have this fear of the lord right and so that involves uh, we'll talk about the methods later but involves teaching it involves uh, you know instructing them it involves talking to them about your own examples or examples in the from the lives of others the second thing is is adherence to parental instruction right so so uh, the second foundation right so if you look at verse 8 and 9 uh, in that proverbs 1 my son hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck all right so so these are things that you know when you talk about ornaments right so uh, uh, i know we brethren people are not supposed to wear ornaments but nevertheless scripture does talk about ornaments in a here in a somewhat positive way it says that it talks about graceful ornaments on your head and chains about your neck meaning that they are attractive okay they make you attractive uh they make you uh, look good i suppose you can say right so what is it that that is a graceful ornament uh, and chains about your neck um you know it says if you hear the instruction of your father and you do not forsake the law of your mother so when you adhere to the instruction of your parents it brings blessing and when he's talking here about ornaments he's he's talking about your character he's talking about your life right he's not talking literally about ornaments here he's just comparing it to ornaments uh but um you know he's saying that uh, you know it it will bring a blessing to you right uh and uh, uh and you need to so what you need them to learn here is is uh, what it says here is the viability of christian walk in your own life right so so they need to see in your life that you have followed okay biblical instructions that you have followed the fear of the lord and you have lived your life in the fear of the lord okay uh, and 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 have that honest relationship with your children okay we'll come back to that but but this is why you know uh, i keep going back to the you know whether it's whether it's parenting whether it's how you deal with your money whether it's any of these things okay ultimately you know it all comes back to your walk with the lord okay so how is um, you know you cannot expect your children to be any more uh, 
you know, any better in your in their walk with the Lord than you are. Now, by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, maybe in some cases, of course, we know that there are there are there are people who've grown up not even in Christian homes who've, who've God in His mercy has redeemed and made them better people, right? Than their parents or their father. Maybe their father was an alcoholic, whatever, right? And, and certainly, you know, we hope our children will be better than us. But uh, you know, I would say those are sort of rare. Okay, it's very rare that you see somebody become sort of you know that their walk is is much more mature than than their own parent okay typically what you'll find is with each generation it goes further down okay uh, and uh, yes they will they will of course learn something and practice it but but they sort of don't necessarily have that same zeal that you have so you can imagine if if your level of your walk with the lord is down here uh, you know, where your children are likely to be, okay? Now, I'm not saying this is always the case. As I said, there are always exceptions, but don't count on that exception, okay? Your responsibility, my responsibility as a parent, you know, is, is to show, is to model for them a walk with the Lord, okay? And uh, and they need to see uh, that, you know, the Christian walk works, right? And they're going to see that in your life. So how do they know to deal with trouble later on in their life? It's it's when they see your life. In fact, you know, um, you know, when I'm when I'm talking to some of my, you know, post teens, I guess those are no longer teenagers, and some of the struggles that uh, that they've been having. Uh, one of the one of the important things I can go back to is tell them about my own example. Hey, you know what this is? Yeah, I went through a difficult time, and this is what helped me overcome it right because uh, he talks about it a little later and we will as well that uh, you know the, your children will have doubts okay they will have doubts about their faith very often that may not happen some of it might happen when they're teenagers some of it will happen actually uh, when they go to college and, and they start getting more and more exposed uh, you know to other ideas and other thoughts and they start seeing some of they start feeling some of the uh, the difficulties of a fallen world, okay, that they start really experiencing that, you know, because uh, let's face it, right, our children who grow up in uh, in our culture, meaning in our believer culture, right, you know, they've grown up at home, they've grown up with Sunday school, they've grown up with friends who are from similar families, uh, yeah, they've been exposed some to schools, but maybe some of them even go to Christian schools like many of our kids do, right? So again, uh, their exposure to, um, you know, to sort of a non-Christian environment where they are sort of the minority is is very limited, okay? It's almost non-existent for, for many of our kids. And so once they go out, uh, you know, they're going to face some questions, right? And, 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 and uh, you know, to the extent that they can see Okay, that the, and they will have doubts. Well, this, is this stuff all real? I mean, is this stuff really work, right? And and what's their best example of knowing that yes, it does work, is by looking at their own dad and mom and their own family, and seeing how the family has overcome difficulties and problems in their life. Um, you know, and uh, and what you want is to is to have your children, um, you know, see. Uh, this uh, sort of a vibrant Christian walk modeled in their life. And then honesty, right? So you have to be honest. So very often we as parents want to be, uh, you know, we, 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 we have this facade of being perfect, right? And, uh, and we try to cover up our own faults. We try to um, rationalize our own failures. Uh, and, you know, when, when your child is a teenager, you know, as I said, they're starting to think on their own, okay? It's no longer that, you know, there's an age where, where dad is the hero or mom is the heroine, okay? And whatever they say is, 
you know they'll accept it without thinking twice right now they're starting to get get knowledge in okay i mean uh, I, I can see that uh, with with some of my older kids okay when when we have discussions of on on politics i mean they uh, you know with politics something i'm very interested in uh, but um, you know they they don't uh, there was an age, there was an age when uh, you know lisa used to uh, used to follow slavishly whatever i would i would say okay uh, uh, listen i don't know if lisa's there she's probably there uh, but today we have more arguments than we have agreements okay when it comes to politics that's okay uh, you know uh, but but it's very mature arguments that we have and we we, we you know uh, we 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 stand up for our own thoughts and our ideas and and we reason about it but she's an adult and that's perfectly fine uh, you know but but that dynamic has changed okay it's no longer uh, whatever dad believes i believe and so you've got to have you've got to be honest so the the worst thing that can be is where you're you're trying to present yourself as somebody you're not and i'm just going to read here uh, from the uh, from the book here on page 191 he says uh, if you are living in integrity with god and your children none of the above is overstated okay um, uh, you know if you are honestly sharing your life experience and how you have come to know god more deeply and find him more and more satisfying you are showing the viability of christian faith um, you know and uh, i mean i can tell you that you know one of the things that influenced me the most growing up in those teen years was uh, you know my own father had a uh, had a very uh, big transformation in his life okay he was uh, uh, you know he was i would say you know in my early years which i i, I don't remember very much uh, you know he wasn't really all that involved uh, but uh, but he was not uh, you know i would not even characterize him as a as a very spiritual man nothing it wasn't that he had any bad habits he was very good but but he wasn't spiritual in terms of his walk in terms of his interest in the word in terms of his uh, his involvement which uh, in fact i can't even remember you know in my in my early childhood uh, i i don't think i even remember my dad ever getting up in in uh, in church and you know sharing a thought okay i don't have any memory of that any recollection because i don't think it happened okay and i've heard about this from my mom about uh, about his early years and all that right and it was very very different and then then somewhere along the way the lord got a hold of him and he transformed himself and and he um, you know uh, he he became a voracious uh, reader okay and and he ordered some invested a ton of money in some 200 years, some 200 300 books okay all kinds of commentaries and bible dictionaries and um you know books on doctrine and prophecy and everything and and he would literally get up every morning at 5 o'clock in the morning and and he would he would start with with one book and he would read through it and he would finish it and and then he would go on to the next one and and he literally read through all those 200 or 300 books okay during his lifetime uh, probably more than once and 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 that happened uh, you know about the uh, uh, you know about the age and there was a time for about 4 years where where we were separated in that you know he was in the middle east and we were here in india and so i never and that transformation happened during that time uh, and then you know at the age of about uh, 12 11 12 just as i was getting into teenage years was when you know we all we were all we all came back and were living together in the middle east and so i got to see that phase and that had a tremendous impact on me um you know and uh, and it's not like he sat there and taught me and lectured me anything but you know he was interested in those books i was interested in books so i also started reading 
you know, books by John Valvoord and, you know, prophecy was very interesting. You know, today I have a very different view on prophecy, but, uh, but that's a different story. Um, you know, but, uh, but, you know, books by Darby, which I couldn't even understand and C.H. Uh, Macintosh and, um, you know, and uh, uh, there's a guy called Harry, Iron, Harry Ironside, H.A. Ironside, you know, all the whole commentaries by Ironside. And I would start reading these things simply because my dad was reading them, right? So it's, it, it's uh, you know, it's that honest relationship where, you know, uh, that had a tremendous influence on me. And, and to this day, you know, I, I think had, had I not had that experience, perhaps, you know, it would not have uh, carried over into my my later life. So, uh, so yeah, you've got to be honest with your children. Um, you know, you must never, it says that your relationship with your children must be honest. You must never give advice that suits your convenience or that spares you trouble or embarrassment. You must be parents who have demonstrated that you are not using your children in any way. If those things are in place, your child will not generally want to remove himself from parental instruction. So this is a time where, where you want to start uh, you know, making sure that they understand that you're looking out for them, right? And you're moving from that sort of, you know, authority going down to influence going up, right? And when you do that effectively, then you'll find that, um, you know, your relationship uh, really, and they will, you know, then adhere to instruction. They will still continue to value your instruction, even as they're getting all these inputs from, from the world outside, right? Um, so, uh, uh, and then... Um, you know, he talks about some of those things, some of those contexts, right? And that's what I talked about, like during family worship, for example, right? It's a, it's a special context for instruction, okay? And the instruction needs to happen in the context of our daily life, just like it says in Deuteronomy 6. Okay, so that's adherence to parental instruction. And the third goal is um, uh, is uh, disassociation from the wicked. So we read all that in verse 10 to 19. Uh, I'm not going to read it again uh, in uh, Proverbs 1. Um, you know, if sinners entice you, do not consent. So, you know, they're going to be, um, they're going to be uh, facing a lot of temptation, okay? They're going to be faced uh, a lot of temptation from wickedness. So this is the third foundational issue that they've, they've got to learn about this principle that's talked about in Proverbs here about disassociating them from the wicked, okay? The one who lives in the company with wicked people will learn wicked ways, okay? A person, um, you know, uh, is as good as the, what is it? There's a saying in English, right? That, that you're as good as the company that you keep. Um, and, uh, and he talks here very interestingly about how, you know, your home, uh, very often this happens, okay? When, uh, when your home, uh, they don't find your home to be an attractive place, okay? Home is like a place where, uh, and maybe some of you have had this experience, okay, where you, uh, and I've talked to several college-age children whose uh, home life was just a disaster, okay? The parents were either never at home together or they were fighting with each other. They were bickering. The marriage wasn't strong. They were taking it out on the kids. There was, there was sort of physical abuse, verbal abuse. And so they didn't want to go home and they're not getting that love and, and the home is not a safe space anymore. And so obviously they look for, love in other places okay uh, and that can be with your friends and that's when you find a lot of these young people okay in ninth and tenth grade uh, especially boys even girls uh, to some extent getting into things like pornography and uh, you know finding finding love in all the wrong places as as the saying goes right so um, you know uh, they they need to feel like the home is a healthy place that a home is where 
yes, they can be themselves, right? Uh, that means you've got to give them a little bit of rope to be themselves, help them discover themselves at the same time you guide them. Okay, you and we'll talk about that later. So you guide them in the right way, but you need to also, it shouldn't be a place where you're constantly sort of berating them where they, they just feel like, oh, I'm going home now. My mother is going to be, you know, shouting at me or my father is going to come home from work and he's going to be shouting at me, right? Um, so, so these are the three goals that you have, okay? The, to establish in their hearts the fear of the Lord, to, uh, you know, to ensure that they adhere to parental instruction because they see that it brings a blessing, because they see the value in your own life and to have that because you have that honest relationship. And then the third is to disassociate, disassociate from the wicked and find a, a shelter, okay, in the home so that they don't, uh, you know, that they're not lacking something that they're going to then try to fill from somewhere else. And you don't know, you know, what that somewhere else is or who that somewhere else is, um, you know, and what their values are. And, and that's typically where kids go really, uh, you know, get, get uh, go really astray. So that's the uh, the goals. So now what are the procedures that you follow, okay, in these, um, uh, in these teenage years? So the number one thing is um, uh, that he spends quite a, quite a few pages here in, in chapter, uh, whatever this chapter is, chapter 19, is uh, you know the internalization of the gospel? Okay, so keep in mind we've been talking about you know the uh, the centrality of the gospel, right? Shepherding is about the centrality of the gospel, and you started when they were an infant. Okay, when they were an infant, you started with telling them about God and about sin, right? And when they go from infancy into childhood, you want them to do so with a real, clear understanding of sin, a clear understanding of God. Uh, you know, or, or a more clear understanding of God and, and also starting to understand, you know, Christ and his work, right? And then when you get into childhood, uh, you're building on that, right? You're building on that. They're beginning to see more of more of God. They're beginning to understand more of the gospel. And here, what needs to happen in the teenagers or the prime age where you will find uh, more of your children. Now, some of this might happen earlier. Some of this might happen later, but typically, you know, for, 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 for children born into Christian homes, this is typically the years where you'll find them really having what I'll call a salvation experience, right? Um, and uh, internalization of the gospel means to develop that identity, okay? Autonomous, their own individual identity as a person who is under God. And uh, there, there's, uh, there's some very, uh, I'd encourage you to read this, uh, this section here on page 198 and uh, all the way through 200. Um, where it says that you know what uh, now we have a work to do. Okay, God has put us in, in a put these children in our families uh, in a in a believing family because uh, again given us this job to 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 tell them the gospel to help them understand the gospel from the day they are born, right? But but you can't you can't make this happen. Okay, this internalizes making the gospel their own, uh, coming to salvation. You know, in fact, he talks about the fact that. Um, you know, that uh, nowhere does God promise that he will save your children, okay? Save meaning save, you know, unto eternal life, okay? Um, you know, uh, because uh, nor does he say that if you if you raise, sorry, nowhere does it say that if you raise your children right, that he will save them, okay? That That is something in the sovereignty of God, um, you know, but but we have to train them. We have to teach them the gospel, and uh, and of course spend a lot of time in prayer. But it's the Holy Spirit, okay, that has to work in their heart to internalize this gospel, right? Um, and uh, 
um, you know, and, and this is our goal is we want our children, we, we, all of us want our children to, uh, to, to uh, embrace the claims of the Christian faith. Yes, uh, you know, but we want them to truly be saved, not because of ritual. So what happens at this stage is that we start putting pressure on them to do the right thing. And this is where a lot of that pressure happens about, you know, well, you need to get saved or you need to get baptized before you go off to college, right? Uh, it's not the right thing to do. I mean, the, we have a, you know, I think uh, our churches, our our assemblies are littered with, uh, with uh, you know, with uh, young adults who were never truly saved, sad to say, right? Because they were forced into it and they did things because that's what was culturally accepted, okay? Uh, but you want them to internalize the gospel, okay? You want to lead them in a path of deepening understanding and commitment to God, which starts you know, from the day they are born and then culminates ultimately, God willing, in them, you know, making it their own, right? That's that's what that's what our desire is. And we commit that desire to the to the Lord and then we work towards it, do our part. Okay. And and he makes a very, very important point here. He says, you know, the gospel, uh, you know, I'll just read this in on page one nine nine. You have reason for hope as parents who desire to see your children have faith. The hope is the power of the gospel. The gospel is suited to human conditions. You've been teaching them about the human condition. And then, you know, the gospel becomes the automatic answer to that, right? Um, the gospel is attractive. God has already shown great mercy to your children. He has given them a rich, a place of rich privilege. He has placed them in a home where they have heard his truth. So the very fact that God has placed your child under your care in a godly home, in a home that uh, where the parents are, uh, are uh, you know, believers in Christ, the parents are living according to the word of God. That itself puts that child at a big advantage over somebody who's born in a different culture or a different religion or a different circumstance with different parents. Uh, it's not, of course, we know by, by uh, you know, by experience that uh, an example that God saves those people too. Okay, but they take a very different path, don't they? Um, you know, but God has placed these children here in this home. That's his mercy on them. Okay, he's given them that opportunity to hear the gospel from day one. And of course, he will hold them to account, right, if they reject it. Um, so not only that, they have seen, okay, why do more of the children of believers become believers? Because, you know, it's not, uh, you know, it's not like they've been indoctrinated, but they've seen the power, the transforming power of the gospel in the lives of their parents, in the lives of their fellow believers, right? They've been under that influence. They've been studying the word. They've been uh, immersed in the word. And, and, you know, that does have an effect, right? But again, you want to make sure that it's their own, right? That's that's the goal here. That's what we mean by, um, you know, by by internalization of the gospel, right? So it requires the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the, it's the fruition or the fruit of shepherding them in the early years. And, uh, you know, it's coming to maturity as persons who know and worship God. Okay, so so you have to shepherd the internal internalization of the gospel. So your goal, your role is to encourage the child and to seek to influence in the process of internalizing gospel. So you are directing their hearts. You are teaching them at home, right? You're teaching them during your family all times. You're teaching them otherwise, right? And, and showing them how you apply, how the gospel applies to various areas of life. Uh, you know, and, and as you do that, you're helping them internalize the gospel, becoming more and more real. You're helping them to uh, understand and realize their own sin and their brokenness, right? And as they start having temptations and as they start failing even, you know, they they begin to understand really that, you know, what my parents told me was true, that, that it's not 
about me, that I am a sinner, that I am unworthy to, that I am unable to do this without the power of God, without the power of Christ, without the Holy Spirit living within me. Okay, so so we need to, um, you know, keep focused on this. So that's the interlacing of the gospel. So some of the other uh, procedures, right? You need to develop a shepherding relationship with your team. So this is uh, really talking about, uh, you know, um, in the early years, you establish your role, okay, and a right to be involved. And, and this is what I was talking about earlier. If you're not uh, dealing with them properly in the early years, in the in the infant childhood and childhood years, okay, if you're not building that relationship, if you are a tyrant and you're, you know, all you're doing is just beating them up and shouting at them and, uh, you know, and some of you have had that experience, sadly, with your parents, and, and you can vouch for this, okay, um, you know, with your testimonies, uh, you know, when you, when they become teenagers and they, and they go beyond the teen years, you know, you sort of, you know, you sort of give up that right to be involved in their, in their life, okay, uh, and, uh, and again, we talked about authority and, and influence, you know, you want your child to be willing to place himself under your authority because he trusts you, right? And you're able to influence him. So you, you, he will also have doubts, okay? Uh, and uh, you know, and you want to make sure that you don't alienate your child, right? You want to, when they start doing wrong, and they will start doing wrong, they will start getting involved in things uh, that may not be healthy. Uh, but what you need to do is rebuke them in love and gentleness, right? Um, you know, you should never give them the feeling that you don't accept them. Okay, it's not about them, it's about their behavior. It's about training them. Uh, it's about taking them back to scripture. Uh, you know, you don't wanna make them feel like a fool. You wanna reason with them and show them from your own life why they need to follow the instruction that you've given to them, right? Um, so, uh, and, then, and then they will have doubts, okay, during this period. So I talked about that. You know, and this is this is, uh, in fact, you know, I I would say that it's it's sometimes it's it's uh, it's healthier that uh, that a children go through some doubt because that means they're thinking about it, right? So children who just follow everything and and uh, you know they might be the rare case, but typically if they uh, if if they um, end up uh, you know not doubting and just doing whatever their parents tell them, it means that there's a good chance that that faith doesn't become their own, and later on when it's tested, everything falls apart because they don't have that foundation, okay? Uh, but um, but but they go through this period. They may some of them may have doubts in their minds, but they don't want to express it because of the way you handle. Like very often, when children bring up things, uh, you know, how do you answer them? Right? Well, you can't say that. You know, how can you even think like that? Uh, no, you gotta you gotta acknowledge. Yes, they have a doubt, and then sit down with them and work through it. Right? Go back to scriptures. Take them to the scriptures. Uh, teach them. Uh, explain to them from your own life, you know, how you did, maybe you went through those same doubts in your life and how did you deal with them, right? Uh, what are the experiences that helped you? What are the things you studied that helped you um, to deal with this doubt? So, uh, and then you need to maintain a positive, uh, you know, positive uh, relationship, okay? Maintain positive interaction, be encouraging to them, okay? And uh, it's got these verses here, which I'll quickly read, Proverbs 16, verse 21. Proverbs 16 and verse 21. The wise in heart will be called prudent and sweetness of the lips increases learning. Okay, we got to be sweet in our lips. Verse 23, the hearts of the heart of the wise of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Verse 24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Okay, so have that encouraging 
you know, interactions with them. Okay, and it's very important because this this helps you to enhance your influence, right? And then, um, you know, the next point is that you you develop an adult relationship. So think about, you know, how, um, you know, as your children grow, you need to have that adult relationship. Okay, so just the kind of way that you would deal with your, you know, very often we have this uh, issue that we think of our kids as little kids, okay? And and even when they're teenagers, we deal with them like we did when they're eight years old, okay? Um, it, it needs to change, okay? You need to have more mature conversations with them. You need to have more discussions with them. You need to have more sensitive discussions, Have show some sensitivity towards the fact that, yeah, they are coming into adulthood. They may all of a sudden start asking you about things that they never asked you about before or show interest in certain uh, subjects and topics that they never did before that's a sign that they are start they're trying you know to get into that adult world right and it's important that you you uh, you use that time to to really build that relationship okay because that again this is being an adult relationship is you know you think about how you deal with adults okay you want to influence right it's like the difference you know these days in um, you know, in, in management philosophy, you know, uh, in, in the old days, it would say it was a very hierarchical thing, you know, where they say that you 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 uh, manage by command and control, okay? You say it, they do it. You say it, they do it, right? And you don't have to reason. Now, that has all changed, right? So today, if those of you who are in the corporate world, you know that you go to any management class, it's all about leading by influence or leading by example, okay? And it's about consensus building. And, and you know, you even if you want to do something, you you go and discuss it with them. You take inputs, okay, um, from everybody because they are part of the discussion. They're part of the decision-making process, right? And even if you don't follow all the inputs that are given to you, nevertheless, you might change a few things here and there based on that input so that they feel respected, right? So so that's the kind of way the, the even the corporate world is moving. And in fact, that's sort of in scripture, right? You you use you you have those those the, the positive interactions and you develop this kind of relationship where where again you're still a parent, you're not like their peer, okay, but you're having more of a friendship, more of an adult relationship with them. And then there's another point here which is wait for the right time. Okay. And, and this is uh and then one more thing. They're sort of tied together okay deal with broad themes okay now remember when we started off we were talking about like the the, the infancy to childhood right where we said that you know uh, if you and the goal there was teaching about obedience okay and, and this meant that pretty much any act of willful disobedience you had to punish okay you you would have to spank them to teach them because that's what now when you come here you know your children are going to do a lot of things okay and uh, and sometimes you know, we have a tendency to jump on them for everything they do. You know, oh, how can you do that? Oh, you know, um, and this can frustrate your teenager. Um, so you need to do two things. One is, you know, sometimes you wait for the right time to have the conversations and then you deal with broader themes. So don't pick on every single thing they do. Okay, well, you know, because then you're going back to that thing of picking on behavior, right? And not helping them understand. So uh, let's say a broad theme might be, laziness and and being conscientious, right? So you can pick on every single thing they do that's lazy and berate them for that. Well, you need to do this. Okay, no, you know, you can have a conversation with them, take them back to scripture, talk about the examples of the ant and the sluggard and things like that, okay? Without nagging them on every single thing. So that's what it means to deal with broad themes um, and then wait for the right time. There are right times and wrong times to be having these kind of conversations 
uh, with them. Okay, so so just like you know, sometimes when you're dealing with adults, right? This this ties in with the adult relationship. You know, you don't just jump on somebody and and start lecturing them. You know, you wait wait to for a right there's a right time. You pray about it, right? You you deliberate about it, right? And then you of course we're talking we're talking about things that you know if they if they're about to walk into some danger, then you react. But but typically the kind of things they're going through at this phase in their life, uh, you know, some of them that requires a little bit of thinking it requires uh, you know a little bit of discretion in terms of how you address it and when you address it okay um, you allow room for disagreement so you don't have to agree on everything okay as i mentioned to you you know um, you know my some of my older kids and i don't agree uh, on politics okay and sometimes it can aggravate me and then i have to remind myself you know what this is not that important okay we can disagree on this someday so, you know, of course I know I'm right. And someday when they get older and mature, I can see some of you are laughing if I could see you, you know, they'll they'll agree with me. Uh, I'm just kidding, maybe I'm wrong too. But, um, but the point is that you don't have to agree on everything. Okay, it's possible to disagree and still maintain that relationship, right? Um, you know, and they can still respect you. Okay, um, you know, even though they disagree. And then very, very important, you know, we have to, entrust uh, ourselves to uh, entrust uh, our children to god okay it's 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 highly important here that uh, you know as i said we only have a few years right and the time that you spend uh, in prayer for your children at the end of the day you can do all the right things and they could still go astray okay so um you know and a few other things you know some of the things uh, on pages 208 and 209 he talks about a heading called beyond internalization okay um and uh, and he says that uh, here are some of the things that we need to focus them or focus on them right uh or focus um, you know in terms of shepherding their hearts number one is to develop a christian mind so you want them to develop that christian worldview okay number two is develop developing friendship with adults right you want to make sure that they're making friends with with other adults as well okay so 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 far they've been listening to you alone but don't hinder them from you know uh, again ideally godly friends godly adults who can spend time with them and maybe you know share their own experiences with them uh, in a healthy way uh, constructive friendships among peers right um, you know and then number 3 discover and develop their peculiar ministry niche so you want to start getting them involved in in various things right so go beyond just the sunday school and attending classes to actually doing certain things that they can do in the church um, you know determine a career in which they can fulfill the mandate to support themselves and share with others in need so you want to you want to be a facilitator here you want to start having the conversations with them about hey what are you interested in or hey you know what i see that you're interested in this okay um, you know, you're interested in physical therapy or uh, or I see that you have a skill for doing this or you have a skill for music or you have a skill for, you know, mathematics, you know, uh, maybe you should think about this. It's not, you're not trying to control them, but but you're, you're, you're having that, you're trying to help them and guide them, right? Because again, you know, if you have that good relationship, they will look to you to, to provide them that guidance, right? Um, you know, and as they grow up, okay, um, you know, they're going to start, um, you know, establishing their own home and family, right? And you can, uh, you can help them through that period of transition, right? Uh, and 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 that's where a real change happens in your relationship, right? And then, you know, uh, eventually, you to to as they go past the teen years, uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's developing that sort of mature, long-term relationship with the 
parents where you're now sort of, you know, uh, you're still a parent, but you're more like peers, right? And you're sort of, you're there to advise and help and, and more like when they need that advice and help. So so these are just some important things to keep in mind. So as we, as we said, we looked at this earlier. So the teenagers, you know, very important time in life. Um, you know, fear of the Lord, adherence to parental instruction, and disassoci disassociation from the wicked. These are the things that, uh, you know, that are the objectives. And, uh, you know, uh, important that you look at where your teenager is with respect to these, these objectives and, uh, you know, work towards achieving them. Okay. So that's, uh, that's pretty much what uh, I had uh, for today. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody here, uh, maybe Charlie, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about your transition. I guess it's fairly recent. Uh, I don't know if you've seen a lot of some of the stuff you've, you've been talking about, uh, you know, with, uh, with your team uh, or starting to see them maybe. Yeah. Um, with regard to Georgie, he's someone who, who has been reading a lot. So even before he got into his teens, so I had always felt that he's someone who knows a little beyond his age. Uh, but now anyway, he's in his teens. So, so is that, is that because you read a lot? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but, but I guess, uh, yeah. And now he's, uh, he voraciously reads the newspaper. So like you said, he also now kind of asks questions about politics and, you yep. know, uh, mind is exposed to a lot mm -hmm. of things. Yep. So there's always that constant attempt, especially during the, uh, family prayer and all of that, uh, to try and tell him that, you know, this is a sinful world and the world. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, because, because, because that's the only way we can, uh, we can explain all the things that are happening, especially in our country, right? Especially this recent issue of what happened in Uttar Pradesh and all mm. of that. He's asking a lot of questions. So, so to try and tell him that at the end of the day, we are all fallen and we live in a sinful world. And then always trying to point them back uh, uh, to the Bible and to the gospel. So that is... Uh, yeah, so so that has been a, a constant attempt, and yeah, suddenly you realize that uh, the little one that you saw, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I always think of the day when I saw him <laughs> in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I look at him and I think, wow, he's asking me all these questions. You know, <laughs> he's become too big, and sometimes you know you want that little fellow back. <laughs> yeah, but, I know, but he's not coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you know so. Uh, so I also, you know, you always wish, and I, I keep telling Josiah, I wish you would stay small, you know. Uh, but I know it's not happening. So now we get cats instead, you know. Um, yeah. So our two cats grew up, so we even got another baby cat. Um, yeah, and those uh, cats so, there, this climb up for cats here too. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was dogs. I, I don't want a dog. So, so, so I, unfortunately, to avoid the dog, I have to let them get another cat. Uh, but anyway, that's a different story. So somebody just asked, um, uh, okay, he says, I heard you say that kids should should have other adult friends in church. Did I hear that right? If yes, please explain again. Did you mean like these adults, like their parents, peers? Yeah. So what I meant by that is, um, uh, yes, you heard me right. Uh, you know, I think uh, you want them to, um, uh, the way I would think about it is, you know, you want to, maybe connect them, uh, get some other other adults in, involved in their life. And and the good example of that would be, you know, single guys who, uh, again, you want to make sure it's the right kind of person who'll, 
who'll have the right influence on them, right? And, and no, I'm not talking about like they hang with somebody all the time, but but you want them to start getting exposed and uh, you know spending some time with others so that they're starting to. The point here is that you know, uh, see, they're going to go out at this age, uh, you know, and and obviously they're interacting in school with uh, some older kids who are who who knows what they're getting influenced by right and and they're going to start getting into some of these things so it's it's important that they have some healthy relationships with with somebody you know uh, and i wouldn't say necessarily peers of your parents but maybe a level below i, I would say like single guys okay and this is something if there are single guys here you can really uh, you know ministry for all of you and not just single guys but but even younger uh, you know, married couples, you know, who maybe you don't have children yet, okay? Uh, but a great opportunity for you to minister by spending some time with some of these teenagers, okay? They need, I, I think it's healthy for them to get some exposure to others besides their dad, okay? Uh, and their moms in the case of, in the case of girls, right? Uh, so, so that's, that was the point there. If yes, please explain again, did you mean like, yeah, okay, that's what I explained. I hope that's clear. Um, yeah, anybody else want to share? Uh, Pradeep, the only other person with a teenager? Um, no, I, I think it's just a transition phase. Like you said, no, it changes from uh, treating them as a child to treating them as uh, someone who understands much more. Adolescent years uh, is a complete uh, paradigm shift because uh, the questions being raised and the understanding is more uh, towards adulthood and it will kind of kind of shocks you that yeah. uh, the transition is pretty quick also right yeah yeah and I think uh, I think as you said correctly they understand more um, having said that they also don't understand right so so I think I think they're trying to uh, make sense of the world they're they're definitely getting more knowledge and they're getting more exposure mm -hmm. right but I think where they need the help is is to uh, apply that wisdom to it, right? And apply that sort of, uh, and I talked about that developing the, uh, you know, what is it? The Christian mind, right? Uh, so how does a Christian look at the news? Okay, so it's not just about, oh, what a country, you know. Um, you know, uh, how, how do you look at some of those things that happen in Uttar Pradesh, right? How do you look at it from a Christian worldview? Uh, you know, uh, uh, how do you look at evil, right? And uh, so so I think that's where they need, where you need to understand that they're going through this transition. So not get frustrated that, oh, they're getting into all these things and they're reading about rape and all these things and, and they'll ask, what's a rape? You know, some, sometimes they, so what, what I have is because I have multiple, you know, one guy will, the older guy who reads will start talking about this, uh, stuff and then then the other ones immediately start perking up and wanting to know what is rape. Okay, so you got to sort of explain it from multiple levels here, which can be a challenge. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think I think that's where our role is to help them understand, right? And and and, and it's again a great opportunity to talk about the the fallenness of man and the world, as Charlie said, and uh, and the gospel and all of these kind of things. Okay, all right. Any others? I think we're out of time, so let's wrap up. Uh, Okay, so a couple of announcements. So next week we'll have a full uh, Q&A session. I'll uh, send out a link to a pigeonhole, maybe in a day or two. Uh, please uh, put your put your questions in, and I really encourage you to to keep you know whatever phase you're in, right? So so uh, you know just read through the first um, you know ten chapters or, or whatever 11, 12, 12 chapters, I guess, uh, and. Uh, um, 
you know, and then whatever phase you're in, right, go through the two chapters on that, okay, with your children. Uh, whatever phase you're in with your children, go through the two chapters uh, that are on that uh, on that particular phase. And, uh, you know, the more you, you know, read this and internalize it, I think the more it'll help you. And, and again, you know, as husband and wife, you're meant to be a team. It's parents, right? It's not a single parent. That's not the way God uh, intended it to be. Uh, of course, there are exceptions to that. Uh, but, um, you know, work together as a team uh, on this, okay? Helping each other out, uh, you know, compensating for strengths and weaknesses and so on. Um, and then I think we have, uh, Jerry, we have prayer today at 6.30, right? I'm oh, sorry, 6 o'clock, right? That's right, George Anya. Okay, so please do join for prayer. Uh, we, we gave a lot of lectures last, um, last uh, couple of weeks ago, I think, and we had a good showing. So uh, I, I hope we don't have to keep doing that. Uh, you know, please do show up. It's just, you know, uh, 80, 90 minutes uh, of your time. You're already at home. Um, you know, it finishes up before dinner time. Uh, so please do make the effort to come and pray. Uh, you know, praying church is a, is a growing church. So uh, looking forward to seeing everybody there. Thank you. Bye. Enjoy your lunch.